I'm talking to the Senate. <laughs> so in conclusion, I'd like to say the next time you want to find the source of violence, try looking on the other side of the screen. Thank you. And God save the queen. <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married to Children podcast here in Australia, down under in our nudie bar, mate. My name is Matt, and uh, we are reviewing uh, the season nine, episode thirteen. I want my psycho dad, part two, second blood, originally aired on the eighteenth of December, nineteen ninety-four. So, my name is Matt, and I just want to address to all you senators and senatorettes that there is a massive party. Spanning everywhere in Greater Perth, from Jindalee, Dawesville, to Mount Helena, and everywhere in between. All my friends are having a massive party and it's sporting all these um, little backburning parties. And my name is Annabelle, and they're not going to cancel Psycho Mom, too, are they? My name is Chris, and it's 5 a.m., and I'm going ice fishing. Oh, nice. Uh, well, uh, ice fishing, hey, as long as it wasn't one of those other activities like skiing. <laughs> and then we have Tyler come in and say, hey, guys, want to go skiing? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. My name is Tyler, and I'm going to put the blame on this podcast squarely where it belongs to the mothers. Oh, dear. That'd be right. Or bobsledding or whatever. So, the episode begins, given this is a two-parter, with a quick recap of the previous events, namely, Psycho Dead cancelled, No Ma'am Upset, Chicken Legs, aka Marcy Very Happy, Poor Excuses in, in want, Wanting to Sneak to Washington, D.C., the lads, the la- No Ma'am Lads Go to Washington, D.C., and they're in a little hotel with a, just a smidgen bit of gun violence. So, pretty much the last episode in a nutshell, and Kelly and Bud want a party as their B-plot. So, pretty much a basic recap. Mr. Bundy goes to Washington. This is where it all happens. The power, the intrigue, the chicks. On a brand new Married with Children tonight. And before we get really stuck into it, I just want to say, the title of this episode is a pun on First Blood, a 1982 action film directed by Ted Kotcheff. And written by Sylvester Stallone, who also stars in the film as their Vietnam War vet, John Rambo. So it was the second film, oh, second film, I think, in the um, Rambo Rambo films. Yes, uh, it co-stars Richard Crenna and Brian Denny, and is the first installment in the oh, first installment. My apologies in the Rambo franchise, and was followed by Rambo: First Blood Part Two. So, um, pun on that. And before we get really stuck into it, uh, let's read our, who's in our guest stars today. So we got, of course, Harold Sylvester as the legendary Griff, E.E. E. Bell as Bob Rooney, Dan Tullis Jr. as Officer Dan, Tom McClellister as Ike, J. Patrick McCormack as Senator Furman, T.C. Warner as Pam, 
Barry Wiggins as Geronimo, Michael Phillip as Chopper, and Joseph D. Reitman as Tom, just credited as Joseph Reitman. So, the epi- episode begins with, uh, I believe it's uh, 5am in the, um, oh, I think it's the recap there, hang on, how much of this is the recap? Did you say Joseph Reitman's character's name was Tom? Tom, it just says Tom. Interesting, because he's Genghis. Yeah, well, this is I'm going for IMDb, which is probably a grave mistake in hindsight. <laughs> well, Kelly doesn't know his name yet either, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting, that's all. Tom. Yeah. She doesn't date guys with normal names like Tom. No, 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 no. Tom is a very bland name. <laughs> It's a perfectly nice normal name. She needs to be dating guys named T-Bone and 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 Genghis <laughs> and Mayhem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. so speaking of guys, it's 5 a.m. in the Bundy house, and Al was dressed to go fishing, complete with his rod and his tackle box. He whispers to the camera as a 4-4 break. Bud's on the sofa with a bird, shock horror, and Kelly's on the sofa also with a lad. And then, um, again, Al breaks the fourth wall when he goes by Kelly's lad and bang, bang, bang against the door in true Al Bundy fashion. Washington, D.C., here I come. (laughs) See you, son. (laughs) Bye, Dad. (laughs) See you, pumpkin. Bye-bye, Daddy. Well, I can see by the stars on the wall. It's time to go. See you, Kelly. Didn't doesn't anything to Bud or his bird. Kelly's peeved, well, mainly because she didn't know his name. And Bud is still clueless in love. That guy can take a hit really well. He can, he can. Uh, He's great at Yeah. It's amazing what a good um, acting and a resilient head can do. (laughs) Yeah, because a lot of fight choreography is usually about, you know, the reacting or the taking of the hit as well as the giving. And this guy is just really, really good. Especially when he gets the door in the face at the end, you think it's over, and he gets one final smack in the face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's our Al. He doesn't hold back, does he? And I he? gotta say, this is really random, but when he, um, Tom, <laughs> or Genghis, when he yeah. looks up at the camera and he says, oh, I can see by the stars on the wall, it's time to go. For a split second there, he reminded me a lot of Tyler, if he had longer hair. You know, Tyler's got the same goatee. Oh, yeah. yeah. He does, And he does. Tyler, who will be joining us in a minute, I'm sure, I wonder what he'll say about that. Oh, I'm sure Tyler has something to say about um, uh, Ke- Kelly, Kelly's black. Kelly's I think lad. he would love to date Kelly, or at least be in his shoes for that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, buds out like a light. Um, Kelly wants a favour, threatens to call Peg or her mum, and t- so Al can allow a party. And just as Al's about to leave, doom! Al- Al's caught by Peggy. <laughs> I'll call you. I mean it. I love you. What he means is, is that if we do you a favor, then we should get one in return. You know, squid pro quo. 
No party. Mom! Oh, great pumpkin! Just try to keep the party small this time. Oh, thank you, Daddy. Uh, I promise. Well, I mean, how much fun could it be? Bud's gonna be there. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Ow. Oh, no. Ow. It is five in the morning. Where are you going? Fishing, Peg. Ice fishing, to be exact. Caught red-handed. Uh, but then Jefferson walks in going, Deer hunting? Huh? But there's lots of snow outside, using deer as bait? <laughs> that's uh, that's just bad. Come on, guys. Yeah, he's deer as fishing bait. Fish. Love. We don't even have deer, deer in Australia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's someone out there that does that. I was thinking about uh, you know all the, all the times as a kid where we, where we went fishing as a family, and we would use damn near anything like we would use cheetos i mean we, we would put anything on our on a, <laughs> at the end of a hook but doesn't doesn't homer simpson use a cheeto or something like that in one simpsons episode yeah but, but that's homer yeah. simpson yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think so yeah we I, I remember doing that as a kid though maybe that's where we got it <laughs> yeah we're talking about the man who in the simpsons movie um had a choice between a jetpack and glue to get up to the top of the dome. What does he pick? The glue. <laughs> <laughs> but that's for another podcast. I'm sure there's Simpsons podcasts out there. Yeah, there's even an Australian one. Matt. Oh, it's Australian? I'll check that out sometime. Cool. It's called Four, Four Finger Discount. Nice. I'll check that out. Yeah, the Facebook page is good awesome. too. Awesome. So uh, Jefferson wants to go deer hunting, but Griff wants to go skiing. Officer Dan is dressed like an American Indian. Ike is a hiker or a camper, possibly both. And then Bob Rooney, being his usual d- thick as a brick, just called Jethro Tull self, is going scuba diving. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy! <laughs> You ready to go deer hunting? <laughs> you mean ice fishing, don't you, Jefferson? I voted no on ice fishing! Oh, did I say deer hunting? I meant ice fishing. Yeah, See, Jefferson forgot that a big part of ice fishing is getting the bait. And in this case, it's... deer. <laughs> Fish love deer. <laughs> well, let's go. Hey, guys, ready to go skiing? Oh, and an owl comes up with a deliberate scheme which to tie all six activities together, which sounds incredibly contrived, but Peggy believes it. Or does she? <laughs> or does she? So you see, Peg, after Jefferson gets the deer bait... <laughs> Griff has to ski it down to the lake where Ike has set up camp. And Bob Rooney scuba dives it into the lake to see which fish are the hungriest. Telling Officer Dan so he in turn can smoke signal the information back to me so I can ice fish with utmost confidence. If you're a man, she she believes it. 
Well, I was going to say is the funny thing about all this is all the others, I can somewhat justify them wearing their uh, outfit there to, to Al's house. But is Bob Rooney really going to wear that outfit until <laughs> they get to the lake or whatever where they're going scuba diving? <laughs> like, I mean, it's a little weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't know why Griff would be carrying the skis <laughs> at this point. But, <laughs> but hey, uh... you know, Oh, Bob Rooney, like I said, he's thick as a brick, but we still love him. And before the guys leave for the, na- the national ca- national capital, uh, so Al says to Kelly, um, Daddy's going to Washington to make America safe for Psycho Dad, which is a pun on the phrase, making the world safe for democracy. The phrase that President Woodrow Wilson used, used to bring the US into the First World War in 1916. Did you know that, Chris? Yeah, I remember that, or I remember reading about that, I believe. In a history class in high school? Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, so um, so the guys leave, and then Peg phone, phones Marcy, and she knows they left for DC. She wasn't actually fooled. Peggy is not thick. <laughs> Hello, Marcy. Yeah, they just left for DC. <laughs> All right, I'll meet you at the airport around noonish. Great. See ya. Meet at the airport at noon. Yeah, she's still right through that. She's like, I'm going back to sleep. I'll meet you at the airport there. <laughs> yeah, so Peggy and Marcy, they know what's going on. They know what's going on. Like, who's this girl that Bud is with? I mean, we get no explanation or exposition or anything of uh, why she's there. I, I, not, not that we need any explanation, but <laughs> they're making out. Bud falls asleep and that's it. No. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Takes after his father. Yeah, though, he certainly he? doesn't last very long, that's for sure. Yeah, and he falls asleep. And so, presumably, the whole time <laughs> they're in DC, <laughs> until the party gets going, she's just stuck with Bud sleeping across her lap. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. So, we, the cut to the next scene, and uh, so the lads, the no man lads, are in Washington, D.C., in a pretty bad hotel. I've never been to D.C., but it looks like the. A DC equivalent of Armadale, Elizabeth, Broadmeadows, uh, Campbelltown, or Woodridge. So the bad areas on the five big Australian cities in Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane, respectively. The city of brotherly love. I'm looking at this this uh, you know this hotel, and I'm like, first of all, there's what six of them. So between the six of them, they can't afford, they can't pull their money and afford a better hotel than that. And second, there's six men and only two beds. Uh, <laughs> how are they gonna how are they gonna work that out with three and three years? Presumably. Some people on the floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But hey. But yeah, this this hotel I, I've seen hotels like that. Every big city in the US has hotels like this. Sounds like Australia does too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the city of Brotherly Love. Oh hang on, that's Philadelphia. <laughs> well, what's Washington? Washington, uh... Here we are, boys. City of brotherly love. (laughs) Now, that's Philadelphia. Well, what's Washington? A team without a quarterback. Oh, that's a team without a quarterback. Ah. 
And that's a reference to the Washington Redskins, a professional uh, American football team in the NFL based in the greater D.C. metropolitan area. Entered in the, they're in the part of the National Football Conference in the NFC East Division. They began playing in Boston as the Braves in 1932, became the Redskins in 1933, and moved to D.C. in 1937. So the hired former player, Richie Petitabon, in the 1993 season as head coach. In his only year as head coach, they finished with a record of 4-12, fired at the end of the season, and on the 2nd of February, Norv Turner was hired as head coach after being the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. 94 was even worse as they finished 3-13, their worst season in three decades. The sole bright spot was that year on October the 9th in 94 when linebacker Monte Coleman played his 206th career game with the Redskins, which broke Art Mock's team record for games played. So a bit of football trivia for all you football fans out there. Yeah, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but um, the Redskins now are technically referred to as the Washington football team. Oh, yeah. Um, are, y'all aware of, are y'all aware of that story? I am, actually, uh, yeah. Yeah, the controversy okay. behind the Redskins name, yes. Yeah, so they're going to be getting a new name at some point. Um, there has been talk about, there. there's a few other teams um, uh, across sports that may be getting a name change to the Kansas City Chiefs. There's been talks of that of them um the atlanta braves in uh baseball they have a um i'm trying to remember what you what you call it that the, they do this ha- they do this hack thing during yeah. baseball games where they're like swinging like a like an axe type thing there's a name for it but it's escaping right now but they may actually there's some controversy surrounding that too they may actually be uh doing away with that as well but oh yeah cool cool uh yeah, I've got a name, a name suggestion for DC. I don't know, Washington bureaucrats, Washington hot air. <laughs> <laughs> the Washington scum. <laughs> the Washington swamp. <laughs> yeah, the wa- yeah, you go, the Washington swamp. There you go. <laughs> well, um, feel, free, feel free to debate um, t- new team names in the comments, fans. Yeah, that should be interesting. Yes, and there's all there's already a shooting into the room. Ouch! They really are in the bad bit because the John Hinckley Arms was booked. Here we are in the capital of the greatest nation of the free earth, and you can't even appreciate everybody down. <laughs> Nice room you got us. Was the John Hinckley arms booked? <laughs> Relax, we're not going to be here that long. <laughs> and John Hinckley was the guy who tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan in 1981. He failed, thus breaking the streak of every president elected from um, in 20-year intervals being dying or being assassinated. Hey, you know, um, John Hinckley just got out of prison uh, about two years ago or three years ago, something like that. Oh, man, last, I'm getting the heck the out of America. Hey, Tyler. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, I'm getting ready to move on out of America since John Hinckley's out. Where are you moving to? Uh, Australia. See, see him swim his way to get to me there. <laughs> well, you're very welcome here. Uh, hopefully, you move to Perth or Adelaide. <laughs> hint, hint. Nothing but spiders, sharks, and Annabelle. Are there still mice crawling around uh, around that country? Well, the occasional mouse. Yes, there's been a little bit of a problem with a couple of 
places I know, but I haven't seen any recently, so that's I good. totally thought that was clickbait when I read that. Yeah. And then you were like, <laughs> that's a big problem here. And I'm like, oh no, I'm sorry, Annabelle. <laughs> no, it's just a couple of my cl- clients have problems with mice, and um, especially if you own a cat, occasionally you're going to be brought a present. So, yeah, it's true, but yeah, nothing we can't really handle. Crossfingers, knock on wood. <laughs> Sorry for uh, joining you guys so late, by the way. That's all right. That's okay. We're, we're just in Washington and admiring the... Eh? Okay. All right. We're already in Washington. Good, good. We just talked yep. about John Hinckley. We're just... Oh, okay, yeah. I was room. wondering what brought up John Hinckley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, nice room, Al Goddess. <laughs> has... Um, has Griff started shooting out the window yet? You mean, oh, uh, Officer Dan? Yeah, yeah. Officer Dan. Yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the policeman in charge. He's a he's a law enforcement. Oh, when he though, when he's like when he throws out the 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 shots with that big ass grin on his face, it's so <laughs> adorable. He's like, yeah, city, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> shoot it up. Of course he is. Yeah, so. <laughs> So, obviously, Al wants to go to the Senate, and uh, tomorrow we address the Senate, get Psycho Dad, strap some fish on to trick the people back home, and go back to Chicago, the Big Apple. Um, Al, no. Chicago is the Windy City, not the Big Apple. New York City's a Big Apple. I've never said sports in America, and even I know this. Relax, we're not going to be here that long. Tomorrow we address the Senate, get Psycho Dad back on, strap some fish on the hood of the Dodge, and... Back in Chicago. <laughs> the Big Apple. Ed O'Neill was in a show called The Big Apple in, this is after Married with Children, of course. This is 2001. It's a really good show, but it didn't last very long. It's only on for about eight episodes. A shame, but it was decent. That's a pity. Yeah. Well, um, the, the lads are just talking about their plan to get in the Congress. Uh, well, we don't want to rate anybody's parade, but... How can they get into Congress without credentials? Sonny Bono did. <laughs> what makes you think we can get into Congress without any credentials? Sonny Bono did. <laughs> Besides, Jefferson said he can get us in. And you gotta trust the guy that's named after a president. <laughs> I thought you were named after Sherman Hemsley. Now, Sonny Bono, <laughs> who lived between the 16th of February, 1935... And the 5th of January, 1998, American singer-songwriter, producer, actor, and politician came to fame with his second wife, Cher, in the popular singing duo, Sonny and Cher, I Got You, Babe. He was the mayor of Palm Springs, California, from 88 to 92, and the Republican congressman for California's 44th district between 95 and his passing in 1998. He was the only, he's the only member of Congress still to this day to have scored a number one hit on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Oh, man. I guess none of you guys have been to Capitol Hill and heard the Congress do karaoke. Oh, no. <laughs> what did they sing karaoke? Don't tell me to do Kelly Clarkson. Oh, you know, Chuck Schumar doing My Heart Will Go On. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, like, I love Sonny Bono, and I only know of him through my love of 80s early 90s television because he pops up a lot just as a joke about him becoming mayor and yeah. being in congress but i i 
I kind of dig that, you know? Like, he wasn't a huge famous person, but he used his little bit of fame yeah. to become a mayor for Palm Springs. And 1988 to 1992, I mean, he probably, as far as I can tell, he didn't do anything yep. bad as mayor. And then he ran for Congress. So you know what? Yeah. Screw it. Go for it. Do it. I wouldn't mind you it. You know what? As, <laughs> as crazy as things are in the U.S., you know, it said that he's the only one. We're, we're going to have, mark my words, we're going to have someone in our lifetime, some some famous singer that runs for Congress and wins, like Lady Gaga or Taylor Swift or somebody's going to run and win. Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. Like, you know, hey, you know, uh, I've already got this many uh, platinum and this many gold, many gold or whatever, and I've already made so much money. How about a run yeah. for Congress now? We'll probably see that in our lifetime. Though, Chris, basically. you're going to make uh, Chrissy, friend of the show, uh, really, really, really excited at the idea of Lady Gaga in Congress. If you guys oh, follow her Twitter page. She would fly to the U.S. and campaign for her, I guarantee. <laughs> oh, if she ran for president, no doubt. Oh, oh man. Yes, I guarantee Gaga 24, let's do it. Uh-oh. No, no, imagine Taylor Swift as American president and Adele as British prime minister. <laughs> oh. I heard The Rock was talking about running for president in 2024. So. Oh shit, that would be hey. really hard. Yeah, Which who would I cast my vote for? <laughs> <laughs> who looks better on a five dollar bill? Gaga. <laughs> well, if you ask me. <laughs> oh boy, I'm not. I'm not really a wrestling fan like a lot of Married to Children fans are. But The Rock is pretty hot, so who knows. I don't know him as the ro- I don't know him as a wrestler. I only know him as the jerk who kills all his teammates in the hit movie Dune. I mean, not not a, not a hit, but uh... <laughs> the movie for him it was. I have to give I have to give the Rock a lot of credit because he is like completely reinvented himself as an actor versus a wrestler. But for me, I mean, I, I grew up watching wrestling. To me, he'll always be the Rock because <laughs> that was like the first probably five years or so, or actually even longer, probably more, more like 10 years before yeah. he actually got into acting. He was always the rock. So to me, he'll always be the rock, but he's, uh, definitely reinvented himself. I mean, there's a whole segment of the population. That... <laughs> Bunch of Gen Zers only know him as the tooth fairy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's sort of, he's, he's universally liked. He's, he's well liked by all generations now, I suppose. Yeah. Because of all those reasons and more. Uh, um, going back to Sonny Bono, I remember when he died. I mean, you say he had a bit of fame. I mean, obviously it's more to do with his singing to us in Australia than being a politician. But I remember his death and how upset Cher was and everything, because that, that did make news here. So um, I don't know if you guys remember that. But Not me. I certainly do for some reason. They stayed friends through their whole lives, even when they weren't married. I think they were... They were one of those like yeah. couple like celebrity couples that they got divorced, their divorce was all tabloid stuff and but they remained friends. Like they were often seen like, you know, having dinners, uh doing charities together, yeah. they performed together still and they were like the poster child for, hey, you know, we're you're divorced, but it doesn't mean you hate each other. Yeah, it's like people can be friends, you know, and I think cuz share owns her career to Sonny Bono. Yeah. Um, so 
and, and yeah, and all those things you were saying, Tyler, because yeah, she was really upset when he died, and it was a skiing accident, wasn't it? Mm, yes. Oh. You hit a tree, or yeah. Oh, Annabelle, I'm so sorry. Uh, I totally forgot. Um, hey guys, ready to go skiing? Is <laughs> I, I I finally get it, Annabelle. <laughs> I just I was like. Wait, the hell is, what the hell are you, uh, listeners, uh, the joke is, um, I'm a little late to this episode, as you can tell, and uh, I was doing something and messaging the group at the same time, and Annabelle's just like, oh, crap, we already started, you know what, just slide on in whenever you're ready, but here's a cool line you can open up on, hey, I, I just shouted it, and I'm like, huh? Okay, back to what I'm doing. And I just remembered. <laughs> well, I thought of it because Chris is like, when you hear the podcast, Chris's intro is, you know, he's he's ready to go ice fishing. I thought, oh, Tyler's a bit running late today, so he can come in and say, hey guys, ready to go ski? Hey guys, ready to talk about the death of Sonny Bono? Woo! No. <laughs> but yes, it was a skiing accident. Um, I. Yeah, there's no other, like, story by it. Eh? He went skiing, and he had an accident. And, hey, it, skiing's a dangerous sport. It can happen. but It can happen. Literally no other, like, uh, scandal that I can hear about. No, no alcohol, no party, no anything. Just he went skiing and had a bad fall. Like, it. It happens. All I say, all I say about skiing is, um, it reminds me of an episode of South Park where they go to Aspen in Colorado, um, we're there where the guys live, and it reminds me, if you pizza when you French fry, and if you French fry when you pizza, you're gonna have a bad time. Pizza, French fries. Pizza, French fries. Hey, hey, this is gonna be just like ain't it shaky, small fellas. Okay, let's have the little dude on the end try it first. What's your name? Mike. Okay, Mike, ski down to me. Go on, Ike. Pizza, bye, fries. Pizza, Okay, you see what he did? He French fried when he should have pizzaed. You French fry when you pizza, you're gonna have a bad time. Hey, you know, it's stupid as that episode is. It that's that's true. I lived on a I lived on a ski slope for my half of my life. Um, I went skiing all the time. Uh, locals got to go for free, and yeah, the first time I went skiing, I fell down a lot. And yeah, you pizza, as in point your skis in towards each other, towards the tips, you're gonna flip. If you French fry, you're gonna go fast. So yeah, figure that out, guys. Next time you go skiing. <laughs> Yes, yes. I mean, us Australians, we've got a few snowfields here in the winter around uh, in uh, New South Wales and Victoria, but um, skiing isn't really a thing here. I mean, New Zealand, our brothers and sisters to the east of us, they've got a bit more snowfields. I'm imagining you and Annabelle, like, on fake skis, completely upright on a flat surface, and just eyes closed going, and go! Whee! <laughs> oh, As boy. a kangaroo hops by. <laughs> kangaroo! Hey, Skippy! Ah! Can you imagine a kangaroo on skis? 
Oh, that's even better. <laughs> I, you know what? I was trying not to be very racist. But you know what? Thank you. <laughs> well, they've got, because they've got tails uh, for balance, they might do quite well at skiing. Oh, yeah, but, they might. I'm sure yeah. there's a kangaroo on skis somewhere on the internet. I've never looked, but it doesn't, wouldn't surprise me if there was. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you guys uh, saw any of my photos or videos, but I went skiing for the first time a couple of months ago. And, uh, oh, that was your first was time? Yeah, first time. Oh, how was as it? You might, as you might expect, as you might expect it's, uh, skiing is not very popular in Houston. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah not with that, not with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, was, it was a fun experience. Yeah. Um, Let's just say I mastered how to fall down. I mastered that. Um, <laughs> I mastered how to fall down without killing myself. I mastered that. It's fun, uh, though, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. It's fun to fall oh, yeah. and tumble yeah, down the hill. It, it That sounds yeah. dumb, listeners, but if you live in a place that never allowed you to ski or snowboard, Chris will back me up. You, fo- will, you will fall. You will fall and you will tumble for many minutes and you will get back up and laugh and get back up on the street. Unless you're Sonny Bono, because you'll be dead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I got... By the, well, I, I've skied for three days. By the end of it, I got to the point where I could... Uh, I could slow down and stop pretty well. I still wasn't very good at steering and turning and things like that. <laughs> Which obviously is important, but... I got pretty good at I'd like to start going like once a year, and I think I could... Really improved. Come on up to Michigan, Chris. I've never skied. Plenty of ski slopes up here. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind when I can go to the U.S. again, whenever whenever that is. Probably next year, in 2022. If you're lucky. Well, let's be optimistic, people. Let's be optimistic. Just like how our no-man is optimistic to get get into the Senate. Because I think Jefferson can get them in. Well, you've got to trust a guy that's named after a president. Yeah, he's named after Sherman Hemsley. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, President uh, Jefferson Jefferson, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've often wondered if Jefferson, the character, was named after um, the the show The Jeffersons because we know Michael Moy and Ron Levitt worked on that show. And also it is believed that his character either came from George Jefferson or as a nod to his character, Roger, on Happy Days, because he was the, a teacher and a coach at Jefferson High until much later when he became principal of a different school, I think Patton High. Yes, that's right, but, Patton High. Yes, but yeah, I just when I saw him on Happy Days and, and saw that he was working at Jefferson High, I'm like, that's interesting. But it's probably likely that the name Jefferson is from the Jeffersons. Uh, I, uh, I I agree that we're all looking at the same, like, you know, internet research, but I'm feeling the arm stretch from the how high it's reaching to get that kind of, like, uh, <laughs> theory. Um, I honestly think Jefferson is just it's one of those names that's really good. It can be used as a first or last name. Hey, Jefferson. Yeah. It's a perfect, like, single word uh, it has multiple syllables, but it's spoken like it has one, if that makes any sense. Jefferson! It does, it does. How you doing? Yeah. And it, uh... Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think... it. You know what? It might have a little bit of connection to his, uh... You know, Roger Phillips from Happy Days kind of role, but it's, it's still stretching. 
I think just Jefferson just works, and I believe the writers when they're coming up with this. Oh crap, we got a president here. Oh, we got a president's name. <laughs> Let's do it. So I think it was just a happy coincidence. That's just me personally. I think so too. Yeah, I think Happy Days is a coincidence. I think they thought of Jefferson and went, hang on, we used to work on that show, The Jeffersons. Oh, it's also the name of a president. It's a good name by itself. Let's call him Jefferson. And, you know, this season, a few episodes ago, we know that his middle name is also the middle name of another president. He's Jefferson Millhouse Darcy. Yeah. Oh. I know, I've got a th- I've got a theory for that. I was about to mention that because obviously Steve's middle name is Bartholomew and Jefferson's is Millhouse. I think that was also because hmm. of the Simpsons because obviously Bart and Millhouse. I think they deliberately did that for the Simpsons as well. Possibly. I mean, Steve's middle name was introduced way back in season one before the Simpsons was the hot thing it became. They were just a show, a on sketch the show, show. On, on the Tracy Ullman show. So when they wanted to think of a middle name for Jefferson, they could have realized, oh, this will complement Bartholomew very well. But again, I think that could be a coincidence entirely. But No, uh, um, no yeah. I don't think that one's a coincidence, uh, Annabelle. Um, <laughs> I, short of The Simpsons and what you just told me about the presidents, name me one other millhouse you know in the history of the planet. Uh, no, I can't. But I know Millhouse and The Simpsons got his name because of obviously Nixon's middle name. And Matt Groening himself said it was the most unfortunate name I could give a character. That's why he's called Millhouse. Oh, damn. Well, you know what? Okay. Name me two other Millhouse, another Millhouse besides Nixon and the other Millhouse. Do do middle names count? Because obviously on Growing Pains, you had Boner or Richard Milhouse Stabone. I think that was his name. Let me look it up. Boner on Growing Pains. Uh, Let me just look it up. Shut up, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, Richard, yeah. Yeah, his name, Richard Boner Stabone. So, uh, Richard Milhouse Stabone. Yeah, he's Richard Milhouse Bone. So he was actually deliberately named after Nixon. I don't yeah. know if the Neil Marlins, the creator, was a fan of Nixon or not, but there you go. Oh, man. See, I don't want to talk about how much I love The Simpsons, so let's move away from that. Because that's awesome. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I think we're... Okay, so we're up to... Uh, I think the next scene is fiddling with a TV to get the porn channel. Oh, Nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Al doesn't want to call home, uh, well, even though there's a Woodstock of no music going on back in Chicago, and he wants just wants to watch the Bad Santa nine years before that film was made on the Porn Channel, which Ike manages to fix, because back in the day, analog cable was easy to rig so you can actually get unlock, unblock channels. Nowadays, you can't do that. Guys, guys, let's not argue. We're in Washington. Let's take advantage of what it has to offer. Griff, check out room service. I fix that TV so we don't have to pay for the porn channel. Hey, Al, don't you want to call home, make sure Peg and the kids are okay? Ah, relax, Jefferson. Nothing's going to happen. Late word today from Chicago, where a simple house party has spread like a virus. It has been described as a Woodstock without the music. Police have been put on tactical alert. Oh, Santa, I've been very, very bad. 
on the TV. We got the clothes on our back. We got the beds to ourselves. Dare I say it? It doesn't get any better than this. I mean, I just don't understand. You said he's uh, he's trying to watch Bad Santa, so he wants to watch Billy Bob Thornton like bang fat women in the mall. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. What I meant was, it sounds like Santa Claus gone wrong, and it, it just reminded me of Bad Santa, but nine years before that film came out. <laughs> I just saw that for the first time last Christmas, and you know what? Kind of liked yeah. it. Not bad. <laughs> it's it's fun. pretty fun. <laughs> Have you seen Bad Santa 2? Not me. I've seen the first one. Saving that for this Christmas, Annabelle. Oh, okay. All I'll say is... Kathy Bates. <gasps> oh, it's going to be a jolly, jolly Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's still eight bumps away oh, from the time recording, yeah. that is. Yes. Oh, <laughs> man. But uh, yeah, Al fiddling with the antenna to get like free cable. I mean, free cable, free porn. Um, free, porn free porn on porn. cable. Um, <laughs> I have no. Uh, no, re- no reflection with this kind of like action. I always had, at the very least, cable and usually access to some type of like HBO or Showtime back when those were like a channel, not a whole station. And um, yeah, you know, you were up past eleven o'clock, and that big capital N was on the ratings. Well. That yeah. was good enough for 13-year-old Tyler. Oh, yeah. That was back when uh, Cinemax was Skinemax. Was like, oh, I didn't even have Skinemax. You had to pay for that shit. <laughs> no, no. I had I had, I had HBO Skinemax. and Showtime, and for a brief period after midnight, Lifetime gave you Ultra Lifetime. <laughs> really? Lifetime? I swear to God, that's where I saw like the commercials for the... Um, uh, blank, blank, gone wild, like, like, commercials. I kid you not, like, this, uh, listeners, if I sound gross, this was in the dark ages of no, like, I, I, I didn't even have Google to, like, type in Google images or anything. Like, it was just, uh, you know, watch an hour and 25 or hour and 45 minute movie and maybe yeah. see something you might like. So what Al is All doing right. is even, like, deeper in the Congo of that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea Lifetime did that, though. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't think they knew either. And when they figured out, it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta reach all the lives. Well, Al, well, the Nomad guys, they're watching the Panty Claws. Oh. That's... And that's gotta be a that's gotta be a pun on the Santa Claus. It's gotta be a real porn by now too. But... <laughs> yeah, it's gotta oh, be. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be. There's probably about four different films too. <laughs> yeah, that'd but be the right. Santa Claus that that had just come out. It it's a whole franchise by 11th now. 11th of November, 1994. So now I have to look up when this episode was filmed. Because it must have either just come out or known it was going to come out very soon afterwards. Before this episode was done filming, there was already four film franchise, porn franchises for that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I don't have a filming date, but it would have been a month before this episode came out. So, yeah, The Santa Claus would have been a just-released Christmas movie. The one with Tim Allen, of course. 
It's I the love first that film movie. with That's a Santa Claus. The amount of time it took yeah. you to say that, Annabelle, there are two more films added to the franchise. Yep. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and that's another one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. I was laughing at Matt's anyway. teehees laugh. <laughs> well, I've got a bit of a hyena like laugh. <laughs> he's also hitting the beers, Tyler. Uh, FYI, he's, he's on his at least second beer. So. I've got my second, second girl to go right here. <laughs> oh, boy. As in true no man fashion. But yes, uh, so after fiddling the porn channel and uh, broadcasting Senate page tryouts, uh, hang on, who's at the door? Ice fishing, huh? Well, we were on our way and Ike said he had never seen the Washington Monument. (laughs) Speaking of the Washington Monument, (laughs) what is that? Uh, C-SPAN is broadcasting the Senate page tryouts. Hey, what are you doing here? We came to stop you from embarrassing yourselves. <laughs> Too late. Peggy and Marcy. Mm, of course. They're not happy. They're, they're pretty pissed off, as, 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 as Australians say. No, they're watching the Washington Monument. Oh, yeah. Al tries to cover his lies. <laughs> 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 and fails miserably. And we got on C-SPAN, the, yeah, the Senate page tryouts. A Senate page, or simply page, is a non-partisan federal employee serving the U.S. Senate in D.C. under the Senate page program. Sounds exciting. I know, hey! I know, and I also got. I think I th- yeah, I think I'd rather watch the Washington Monument or whatever it is Marcy finds on TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I just woke up. Oh, what were you saying, Matt, about the the Senate page something? Yeah, the um Senate page tryouts, the not the um f- the non non part. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Let me wake you up with a beer. <laughs> I'll send you one from Australia. So- he fell asleep faster than Bud did with his. <laughs> I know. And I've got in my notes here that Bob Rooney uh, is a Patrick Star, for those who watch Spongebob or watched it back in the day, of Married to Children. Or should I say, Patrick Star is the Bob Rooney of Spongebob Squarepants. <laughs> <laughs> what, he can't go three minutes without embarrassing himself? Uh, I don't think Patrick can probably go one minute without embarrassing himself. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm watching the episode on my iPad on silent when we're doing this, and I'm on the clip I think Matt's talking about. It's where he spreads. It's he's laying spread eagle on the yeah. on the bed in complete rapture of uh, it's the vibration vibrating bed that I've never encountered in the in the wild. Has anybody ever encountered yeah. these? Yeah, not personally. I haven't. I wish I would though. Me fun. too. I don't think they <laughs> exist. I'm really starting to think they don't exist or never existed because I've only seen them in movies. <laughs> One of my new bucket list items: find a bed like that, and then take a Lysol <laughs> bath after you if you lay in it. Oh wait, because oh, it's from the seventies. It's from the seventies, Matt. Like, what do you? <laughs> Either that, or you're not going to be let back in Australia to Australia. Well, I can't. Oh. Even, I can't even leave Australia, so that's that's moot point. Essentially. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll keep that in mind when it comes to my house. Hazardous material, yes. <laughs> okay, awesome. And America is also definitely anti-violence. As, as Look my, out! <laughs> as Officer Dan shoots those dang postal workers! <laughs> <laughs> Saying he's from the real home of random violence, a.k.a. Chicago. That the people of America have spoken. And America is definitely anti-violence. Look out! (laughs) Damn postal workers. We're from Chicago. Don't you know we invented random violence? I still say that you will never get into the Senate. We will so? Jefferson said he knows people in high places. Jefferson knows Jack. Oh, yes. The, uh, the, sh- the, the postal freakout. And, oh, boy. That, um, oh, boy. Oh, crap. That, that, that's from my neck of the woods, isn't it? All right. I'll, I'll take over from yeah. that. Or one of them, yeah. at least. Yes. Well, let's yeah. see. Chris, uh, how about you do the, the New Jersey one and I'll handle the, the Michigan one. All right. Sounds good. So, <clears throat> The reference there to going po- to damn postal workers says um, a former United States postal worker, and this is back in 1991, a former United States postal worker, Joseph M. Harris, killed his former supervisor, Carol Ott, and killed her boyfriend, Cornelius Caston Jr., at their home with a katana. The following morning on October 10th, 1991, Harris shot and killed two mail carriers, Joseph M. Vanderpaw of Prospect Park, New Jersey, and Donald McNaught of Pompton Lakes, New Jersey, at the Ridgewood Post Office. So, uh, just a personal story. Um, um, I'm a license hold, holder, and um, whenever you go to, whenever you do, when you go, you know, when you're reading through your handbook and when you're going to training and class and all that stuff. One of the one of the few places in the U.S. that's um, well, I guess there's a, quite a few places where guns are completely banned is the post office. Um, and not only are they banned um, actually in the post office, but they're completely banned on the physical property itself. So like you can't even have a gun in your uh, in your car. Like you can't drive your car on the property of the post office if it has a gun in it uh, because of these postal stories that happened back in the early 90s so that's my story mm-hmm. yes well uh for good reasons chris because also in 1991 in royal oak michigan which was 39 miles away from where i grew up and about an hour away from where i am right this minute uh november 14th 1991 I would have been a one-year-old at that time. <clears throat> in Royal Oak, Michigan, Thomas McClavin killed five people, including himself, and injured five others with a rifle in Royal Oak's par- post office after being fired from the Postal Service for, quote, insubordination, end quote. He had been previously suspended for getting into altercations with postal customers on his route. For... S- <laughs> 
on his route. I have never once had an altercation, either positive or negative, with a po with a letter carrier. That's amazing to think about that. Uh. Okay, so for some time prior to the Royal Oak incident, the service had experienced labor management and operational problems and customer service complaints. This had drawn the attention of local media. The office of the Senate, Carl Levin, in investigated Royal Oak, the results of which were summarized in a September 10, 1991 staff memorandum. The memorandum documented, quote, patterns of harassment, intimidations, cruelty, and allegations of favoritism in promotions and demotions, and testimony relating to wide-ranging delivery and service problems, end quote. Prior to the McAvlin shooting, uh, there was also, also in Michigan, dang, what the heck was going on with Michigan? Uh, Dearborn <laughs> and Dana Point, uh, both said, I've never been to Dana Point, but I've traveled through Dearborn quite often. It's very close to me right now. Two shootings took place on the same day, May 6, 1993, a few hours apart. At a post office in Dearborn, Michigan, Lawrence Jazian wounded three and killed one and subsequently killed himself. In Dana Point, uh, California, though, that's why I've never been to Dana Point, in California, uh, Mark Richard Hilburn killed his mother and her dog, uh, then, shot, then shot two postal workers, killing one. As a result of these two shootings, in 1993, the, US, uh, the United States Postal Service created 85 workplace environment analysis for domicile at its 85 postal districts. These new positions were created to help with violence prevention and workplace improvement. And in February 2009, the United States Postal Service unilaterally eliminated these positions as part of its downsizing efforts. However, those uh, efforts most likely implemented the firearm restrictions that you mentioned, Chris. So, damn. Um, that's a whole podcast in itself, this whole postal shooting thing. I, it was not one crazy guy who just went nuts and created the term gone postal. It were it was several isolated incidents that happened over years due to the post office. There was something going on in the post office that was causing this. So I suggest everybody do their own research on this because it, it's bigger than we can give it attention to. Okay. It all sounds a bit messed up. You would never have anything like that happen here in Australia. I mean, what? Like, the koala's going to go on strike? The ones who deliver the the letters to your homes and stuff? Yeah, they, they do in Queensland, but we don't have them here in Western, Western Australia. That's all the... Uh, that's the numbats job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I give a very, very insensitive comment, and you give a more geographical, like, sensitive one i love it <laughs> <laughs> well hey just i'm um, teaching you, uh, everyone around the world about how fine country here in australia i'm just poking fun it's great <laughs> <laughs> but you know who is not here to poke fun no ma'am because they're getting serious they need to head on they to are. the senate they are yeah they're yeah yeah, no, ma'am, thanks to the aid of Chopper and Geronimo, Jefferson is bullwinkle that Rocky, um, 
They Mar- and also Marcy wants the full Darcy files or backstory, so to speak. Yeah, no man plus Peg and Marcy are ready to go to the Senate. Did like I know we've all seen the episodes before, but if we were watching this for the first time, did any of you would any of you were like actually thought that they would have literally gone to the Senate? Because it still kind of takes my breath away when they literally enter the hall and I'm like, I love you, Mary with children, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just wondering what exactly Jefferson knows. Yeah. When are you going to stop telling the buffoons these fanciful James Bondian tales of daring do? You know, if you are half as creative with your job resume as you... Good evening, Bullwinkle. Hello, Chopper, Geronimo. <laughs> Long time no see. What's up? Iraq, Iran, I'm married. (laughs) So what time do you need the bird? Zero six hundred will be fine. Cool. Over. Out. You know, we are really going to have to talk about your past someday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I I was just going to say, there's a couple of thoughts I have when they walk in. One, the set looks really, really small to be the Senate chamber. <laughs> like obviously, obviously, they couldn't rebuild the entire uh, chamber for. Obviously not. <laughs> obviously not. Yeah, it looks small, but and the other thing is like Marcy is the only one that's actually dressed like you would dress if you if you were to visit the Senate. I mean, <laughs> yeah, most people would be wearing a suit. You know, the guys are wearing. I guess to their credit, I guess they're all... Are you ki- I was about to say, Chris, are you kidding? Like, they're all dressed appropriately. Like, you, are you telling me Peggy would be dressed in anything than what she's wearing? <laughs> the only one who's not is Jefferson. Like, everybody else, if you're part of No Ma'am, that's what you're dressing as, like... Yeah, pretty that's much. True. I mean, I guess now that I think about it, I'm surprised they're just not wearing their shirt, their No Ma'am shirts. <laughs> oh, hey, this is a Senate. You've got you to gotta dress respectively. I mean, on a side note, I dress for work in a collared shirt, tie, and black trousers. So if I was in the Senate, I'd be in a full suit. So if you're part of No Ma'am, Matt, you're going to wear whatever the hell I tell you to wear. So, like... <laughs> all, all right, dear leader. But I'm, I'm the leader of No Ma'am's Australian division. <laughs> Party of two. Annabelle, come join us. You'll be party of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With my Fang shirt or my Yes Ma'am shirt? Yeah. Hang on. Yeah, better say, Anna, you're the leader of Australia's Fang division, aren't you? I am, yes. That's right. <laughs> but unlike Jefferson, I don't know people in high places, so... <laughs> Matt, you know what would happen to you and Annabelle as the, if you stormed in as members of the Australian No Ma'am Coalition? I'm... Oh, do tell. I'm paused right now on the episode um, where Marcy and Peggy are tied up by the Secret Service. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like Matt and Annabelle going, We wanted to say stuff! <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was just it was just really perfect. That I was just thinking about the two of you and then that scene popped up. I just had the episode on repeat and that's where it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Nice to meet people like that. 
but yeah, like the Senate Hall is small. I I do give it that. It doesn't look right, but it it it's the Senate Hall, and they packed it full of like extras to make it really look right. And the Senate has put the uh, what is it? Uh, what, what I think it's the the Arab Israeli peace accords aside. That's right. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they put that aside to debate Sarko Dan. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, we'll have to table this uh, debate on the Arab-Israeli peace accords. <laughs> the uh, men from No Ma'am are here to lobby on behalf of Psycho Dad. Uh, we are really going to have to discuss your past. <laughs> Would the group approach the chair and take a seat, please? Hey, wait a second now. Where are you two going? Well, up there with you. I mean, you can't possibly think that we're going to let you fight for Psycho Dad without us having our say, do you? Oh, Bullwinkle. Okay, so a bit of background information for you all. In 1992, Yitzhak Rabin was elected as Israeli Prime Minister on a platform to embrace the Israeli-Palestinian peace process. He signed several historic agreements with the Palestinian leaders as part of the Oslo Accords. In 1994, Rabin won the Nobel Peace Prize together with longtime rival Shimon Peres and Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat. Rabin also signed a peace treaty with Jordan in 1994. In November 1995, he was sadly assassinated by an extremist named Yigal Amir who opposed the Oslo Accords. So there's a bit of a background of what was going on in the world at the time. Uh, there we go. I mean, though, any, anyone who lives in Israel, Palestine, and the Middle East, feel free to add to this in the comments. No one's going to say anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nor should they. This is this is pointless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, besides, I could have taken notes, but I was staying up all night watching the panty claws. Or bad Santa. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, was a pun on it, the already mentioned Santa Claus released on November 11th, 1994, which stars, of course, Tim the Toolman Allen. <laughs> oh, God. Tim the Toolman T- uh, Allen and, uh, what was it, Heidi uh, from the show? Oh, yeah, Debbie yeah. Dunning. Yeah, and Pamela Anderson. Frequent, oh, uh, yeah. frequent Mary with Children star, all performing in the fake panty claws. Oh! <laughs> Someone needs to draw that on DeviantArt and, like, make it, like, a real thing. Like, think of Biggins, but make it, like, uh, a porno-like poster of Panty Claws starring Tim Allen and Heidi and, I forget her real name, and um, Pamela Anderson as Panty Claws. Just let your, mo- <laughs> let your, let your imagination flow. I see it. Heidi was Debbie, Debbie Dunning. Dunning, yes. Yes. Yeah. And they, she and Pamela Anderson, they were both on Married to Children twice. That's interesting. Exactly. Nice. Make it a third time and then a fourth time on my wall on the framed art that I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pamela Anderson's uh, first appearance is first appearance is one of my one of my top five episodes. Uh, Al with Kelly where mm-hmm. Al's home with and Kelly has the cold. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a lot of people's favorites and that's the first episode we get psycho done mm-hmm. yeah that's and right. now here we are yeah. yeah absolutely there we go 
And now at the end of Psycho Dad. Good morning, gentlemen. My name is Senator Furman, and I am chairman of the Presidential Subcommittee for Taste in Television. Hey, Al, Taste in Television. T I. Shut up. <laughs> and you six are here to argue on behalf of a television show that was recently canceled due to excessive violence, namely Psycho Dad. Now, who will begin? I will, sir. Remember, Al, short and to the point. Yeah, and don't say anything that'll make us look stupid. Nope. <laughs> hey, Matt. Yeah? yeah? Taste in television. Mm-hmm. T-I. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's nice for TV, kiddo. <laughs> but you know what we... Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what we didn't get with that episode? We didn't get a bunch of crazy people in ski masks in the Senate making demands. No. So wait, no, we did wait, not. did I skip some stuff or no? Okay, no. good. Yeah. So ski masks in the Senate. Okay, I know it's only it's been like several months since you know recent events, um, but like, wow, it's just. It's just so cute and quaint at a time where this seemed audacious and that this would happen. I, I I just finished editing an episode where I took out everything related to COVID and to make it, like, time-centered. But this is so, so politically relevant that... And it brought up postal stuff that we should bring up, like, the modern time thing, like... It's just so yeah. strange that, that we're reviewing this episode now. We could have reviewed it, like, months ago, before it even happened. So it, it definitely changes my personal viewing of this. I don't know if it does for you. I can understand why, Tyler. Well, I just want to say quickly, see, when that happened, um, back in January of this year, in 2021, uh, I was actually in the Australia's national capital of Canberra. In fact, if memory serves correctly, it was the day I visited Parliament House. I think it was, because I remember messaging you guys about it, and you, and you were visiting Oh, I was at Parliament. Oh, and that's I thought, right. Thank goodness this wouldn't happen here, I thought. Yeah, and... I was, I saw it in between two shifts. I was working at two different stores that day, and I was at like five o'clock. I left it, went home to change to go to the next place. And at that moment, at that time, I was like checking my news like daily for like multiple reasons. And I saw what I thought was clickbait radical storm capital. And I'm like, oh, come on. It's just another like overblowing thing and then i saw washington post cnn nbc everything and i'm like oh my god i was actually late to work i got a nasty phone call from my boss and i'm like you're lucky i'm even coming in i I feel sick to my stomach i can't like my brain is just on fire right now so this i'm glad we're reviewing this episode now in april and not, like, yeah. in January, because, quite frankly, guys, I probably would say, I can't do this. Like, I wouldn't find this funny at all. I would find this actually kind of, like, silly and, like, just disrespectful. But now, it's reflective at the idea, at this point, that a sacred hall... Which, I hate saying the word sacred, but it is! Like, our country is very, very, sm- very young still, compared to the, all the others, and... To have this kind of thing happen, 
it, in the midst of everything else that's happened, it's just like setting another match on a gas fire. It was just too much to yeah. handle. So it, it's just it's fascinating. This has nothing to do with the episode itself. Nothing to change my ratings of it, but just wanted to let the audience know what's on my mind. Uh, Chris, you're the other American um, on this on this episode. No joke intended. What did it change your viewing post January for this? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um... As I was watching the episode last night, I was I was contemplating. I was like, should I even bring up January sixth or not? <laughs> but interestingly enough, I um, well, you know, before January sixth, I would have never imagined that you know six guys in real life, six guys could just walk right into the Capitol building like like they did on January sixth. But you know, we saw what happened. But it doesn't uh it does you know it doesn't change my view of the episode or change my rating or anything like that but you know it'd be hard to watch this episode now without thinking about that though <laughs> exactly like uh, the writers and the creators would like it just was not i'm sure it was on their mind like huh this is funny because this is so silly like this could actually happen mm Exactly. <laughs> well, this is Bit half the reason why I why I asked for at least one, maybe hopefully two Americans to do this um, these episodes with us, not just because of um, January sixteenth, but we're just talking in general as well. I just think having two people who are actually in America and because because this is taking place in Washington D.C., I don't feel. Um, uh, a, I'm not interested in politics per se, and also I just don't feel enough authority to discuss things that have gone on in the past and in recent history this year. So, like we've we we saw it all happen, of course, um, from the news, etc. But um, yeah, I just wanted at at least have um, uh, that's why I like this team that we've got because you know two Australians and two Americans, and we can all. Um, uh, talk about what we observed but yeah that's half the reason i wanted americans to do this podcast with us so that's great i'm glad you asked anna so um yes you could definitely say we've got the special relationship in good order here between us aussies and you americans okay okay well yeah thank you annabelle and i'm thank you matt i uh, thank both of you i just want to say like just that i took i took a little divergent there just because i was like chris said like do we want to bring do we want to bring it up it was when I saw Dan in the ski mask standing in the Senate. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, 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 like, I couldn't. I couldn't. Because I know nobody else watching this uh, who's an adult is gonna not know about, it, not think about this. And I want to speak for those people who thought about it. And that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna bring up anything about my feelings about it. I'm not gonna bring up any any other politics i'm just making a a reference to it because it's still raw and it's still you know it, it's still relevant so that's my tangent and i'm closing it out <laughs> well thank you for that tyler well you know another thing um you know it it it, it cracks some jokes about you know the post office and uh, of course the crime in dc but um yeah i guess Back then, the, the the post office was a big deal, you know, and it's, and it's still a big deal, of course. But um, we've graduated, I guess you could say, to 
to school shootings and shootings at movie theaters, grocery stores. Um, Places that aren't even open right now. So, like, we're in a very weird, like, position in the world. And the people and our listeners listening to it. Chris, you said it just right. There was post office shootings back then. If we were reviewing this show as if it was airing week to week, like a brand new show back then, I'm sure either you or me, Chris, would have said, like, well, you know what? This is probably in reference to the postal shootings that took place a few years ago. You know, I mean, like, we have to talk about that. I don't really want to talk about it, but it's here. I can see one of us doing that, and if we're going to do it then, we should do it now. Yeah. But um, but now that that tangent is closed, yep. let's get into the uh, demands of our... Uh, Freedom Fighters. Yes. Or should we discuss first the um, what the television can be blamed for? Oh, sure. The tube can be blamed for a lot of things, namely... <laughs> oh, sure, the tube can be blamed for a lot of things. Brent Musburger. <laughs> Full House. <laughs> Any show where overweight female cops dress up as hookers. <laughs> but violence? That's too easy. Brent Musburger... Full House, and any show where overweight female cops dress up as hawkers. Oh, that's all Fox, isn't it? Yeah, Brent Musburger, born on the 26th of May, 1939, American sportscaster, and currently the lead broadcaster and editor at Vegas Stats and Information Network, VSIN, radio play-by-voice for the Las Vegas Raiders. Full House, which aired between 87 and 95 on the American ABC, we all know, in my opinion, very cheesy, very too sweetsy American sitcom, not my thing. And the show Overweight Female Cops uh, could have been a real show in 94, but, a, a pop, but it could also be the Jabbit Cagney and Lacey, the American 1980s, 1980s cop, cop drama. I, I want to see that where uh, female cops dress up as hookers. Were they dressing up as hookers in Cagney and Lacey? <laughs> I think they did once or twice. I think just like to go undercover, so they would have to infiltrate the the hooker ring and dress I up. Because I just I didn't rewatch. Well, it's just funny because like, think it's so weird when these things pop up like at the same time for me. Like I've been rewatching. Well, rewatching. I'm watching for the first time the Dirty Harry movie. Oh yes, yes. I just want you'll if you guys follow me on like on my Instagram and whatnot, you'll see all of my reviews soon. I'm gonna, po- I'm watching a different one every week. I'm on. I just watched the third one last Friday, and it was uh, Agent uh, Inspector Moore, the uh, female oh, yeah? sidekick who I believe is she's either Cagney or Lacey. Yeah. And um, it's a very, you know what? It's Dirty Harry, the Enforcer. Kind of like it. It's very fascinating. It opens up some good dialogue, especially for the time. But uh, the female uh, lead on there is, I like her. She's really good. She keeps up with uh, Clint Eastwood, which is not a, I couldn't keep up with the guy. Like, I think they were making fun of it when she, fun of her when she was running after him. But I'm like, you know what? To me, that she's tough. I would have given up on chasing him down like a long time ago. That's uh, yeah, Pine she, Daly. Yeah. 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 So is she Cagney or Lacey? She's, I, I she's Lacey. Ah, oh, sweet. So yeah, like, I've never seen a minute of Cagney and Lacey, but after I learned that, I kind of yeah, want too. to. Oh yeah. 
Well, she is awesome in everything, so that doesn't surprise me that she's good in this. Is she dressing up as a hooker, Annabelle? Um, yep. Haven't searched that, but she probably has. <laughs> you know what? Gotta get the job done. Harry Callahan would uh, would agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I dress up as a hooker myself, but no dime. Yeah, oh, yeah. No donuts. <laughs> you <feel> lucky. <laughs> Oh yeah, but um, that's uh, just it's just really cool. Like uh, that that just popped up right there. I'm like, oh, Cagney and Lacey. Why is that popping up in my head? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we had those references. Oh, I just found yeah. a picture. Uh-huh. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'll send it to you guys. Do it, do it, do it. Hang on one sec. Hang on, hang on. Right. Oh, she looks like a kangaroo. Oh wait, no, that's that. That was my. Nah, it's a dingo. Sorry, my Facebook just froze. <laughs> Frozen Facebook. Mm. Google Chrome memory issues. Uh, yeah, Firefox. God, you're right. This is from Cagney and Lacey. First picture I found. Boom. No oh, my. <laughs> Whoa. I was about to say. Oh, wow. To you. wow. Annabelle, is this gonna be? Is this gonna yeah, be you and your? Is this gonna be you and your husband's first Halloween costume? Oh, how did you guess? <laughs> We're getting them all. <laughs> Let's see, there it comes. There we go. <laughs> wow, that is hey, you know, awesome. I definitely gotta watch. I some actually of this have now. a friend. This who looks does so this. campy. Uh, well, actually, no, she doesn't. She uh, she does more like online solicitation. Uh, but she works for a special division of the H, uh, Houston Police Department, but her thing is yeah. more like uh, online solicitation of minors, I think. But same, same. Uh... Yeah, Matt, she's uh, she's catching predators. If you want to know the colloquial. Do you guys ever watch that old show uh, to catch a predator? I don't think they have, Chris. I was trying to make the joke. I don't think they know what I was talking about. <laughs> I know. Okay. So you guys yeah. flip from it. It's a great All show. Right. I, I, I don't want to derail the whole podcast here, but it's a great show. I'll send it to you. It's pretty. It's sad and disgusting, but it's kind of funny too. It's entertaining. And there's a great South Park episode about oh, it yeah. too. It's all about Tourette's. I think that's what it is. Like it, it, it has the whole like, uh, like to catch a predator kind of like theme going on it, where it's. God, Chris, I still can't believe that was such a thing for so long. So gross. Prime time, too. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, oh yeah. We're not gonna go into the uh, into the thing that'll get us an E rating on no. Apple Podcasts. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll definitely not get you an E rating. Is uh, no ma'am's plea. Yes, no ma'am's plea to the Senate. <laughs> Oh boy, where do we begin with this plea? Uh, should we begin with Al mentioning cartoon violence? <laughs> oh, sure, the tube can be blamed for a lot of things. Brent Musburger, <laughs> Full House, <laughs> any show where overweight female cops dress up as hookers. <laughs> but violence, that's too easy. Perfect. Yes, and good parenting. You know, kids didn't. Uh, mess up back in the day because cartoons didn't make anyone violent but hey the kids screwed up you got five across the eyes we've all been brought up on roadrunner cartoons and the three stooges 
But how many of us have run a saw across a bald guy's head? How many of us have drawn a tunnel on the side of a mountain only to watch our loved ones smash themselves into it? And you know why? Because we had parents, ladies and gentlemen. Parents who said, don't do what TV tells you to do. Do what we tell you to do, or it's five across the eyes. <laughs> anyway, I say if there's a problem with TV today, it's because parents aren't saying that anymore. Take my kids, please. Thanks for the joke, Jefferson. <laughs> Kennedy's on the floor. Kennedy's always on the floor. Just hit your kid. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Take my kids, please. Thanks for the joke, Jefferson. <laughs> Kennedy's on the floor. Ah, uh, yeah. It's funny you mentioned Kennedy, Anna, because that's another Kennedy Kennedy joke in this show. It would have been a reference to Ted Kennedy, who was serving as a senator at the time between 1962 and his passing in 2009. Obviously a member of the Democrats and the Kennedy family. Second most senior member of the Senate when he passed away. And the third longest continuously serving senator in U.S. history. The youngest brother of JFK, John F. Kennedy, and RFK, Robert F. Kennedy, both who were sadly assassinated. And he was also the dad of Patrick J. Kennedy. Yeah, and that reference that Al has before when he says, take my kids, yeah. please. Um, that's that's the joke from Henny Youngman. And we, uh, do you remember, Matt, we discussed this way back yeah. in season eight when we discussed take my wife, please. Oh, yeah. For the Halloween episode, the Village yes. People episode in season eight. But that's where that comes from it's henny youngman and that joke is played in that podcast episode if you want to know more about mr youngman all righty yeah i remember that episode pretty well but yes a nice cool nice uh, call back there to season eight so after our blames kelly and bud's fault on rap music and peggy and no man being triggered uh, uh hang on a second uh. al he, he says at the end of his Senate address, thank you and God save the Queen, and there's a curtsy. But, Al, <laughs> uh, God save the Queen, you're not British. America was never part of the British Empire, per se, or the Commonwealth. This is, you're not in the UK, you're not in Australia, you're not in Canada, and you're not in New Zealand. So that personally fell a bit flat for me. Anyway, my kids may not be angels, but when they screw up, I don't blame TV. I put the blame squarely where it belongs. On their mother. And rap music. And rap music. I like rap music. I'm talking to the Senate. So in conclusion, I'd like to say, the next time you want to find the source of violence, try looking on the other side of the screen. Thank you. And God save the Queen. <laughs> what happens now? Well, unfortunately, Griff, the wheels of justice move very slowly. We've reached a decision, Mr. Bundy. <laughs> Violence is not acceptable in a civilized society. Psycho Dad's gone, and... This meeting is adjourned. Aww. 
<laughs> That's just yeah. Ours, ours just grasping at straws here. <laughs> I mean, even though the even though the Americans adopted that song as "My Country Tis of Thee" and some American state flags or adaptions of English patterns, like the flag of Maryland is an adaptation of a in- English floral pattern. So there you go. I mean, even though this had won the war against the Brits, um, the Americans still adopted a lot of British things after independence. Right, right, definitely. It's like, yeah, you you knew what you're missing out on. You admit it. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll also say, I mean, if you, I mean, if America didn't didn't um well lost the war, Australia as we know it, hit emphasis on as we know it wouldn't exist. Well, I think you should just bring back Psycho Dad because he symbolised everything that's great about the Amer- the uh, the United States. <laughs> that's true. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you see, Annabelle, uh, violence has no place in a civilized society. So, Psycho Dad has to be gone. No! No, 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 no! Not Psycho Dad! No, no! Uh, So, wait, uh, that line, violence has no place in a civilized society, that sounds very familiar to me. Is that an actual quote from somebody famous? Uh, not sure myself. What about the rest of you? Mm-hmm. I can Google it while we're here. Let's see. Violence has no place in a civilized society. Let's see what comes up. And while he, while Chris is Googling that, do we have any um, actual notes on the president of the Senate, who I'm looking at? I not mean, really. It, well, he's the presider. He couldn't be the president because he's the vice. Yeah, but he'd have to be the vice president. But uh, they keep cutting him, and he's got a good light. And... He kind of ha- he kind of looks like Tim Robbins a little bit. <laughs> He's the chairman of the presidential subcommittee for taste and television. Oh, see, there you go. That's why I didn't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see a lot uh, of a lot of people have said that exact quote, but I can't find where it originated from. Some other. Oh, way. a lot of people talking shit, but not, not doing anything about it because I'm still seeing violence. Oh not, yeah. Not all of it is uh not all of it is, is uh in reference to violence in the United States. I'm just scrunching uh scrolling through uh Google here. I can't find where that originated though, but there's definitely a lot of articles out there where people are saying either that exact quote or something very similar. And then getting shot probably. Like, it's <laughs> maybe I mean, you it, it's literally like you're asking for it. I agree with that statement, but you're asking for it. Yeah, like, they're asking and for it. as this chairman was asking for it. Because even though, Matt, he threw his gauntlet down and said, yeah. as a king would, which that's not how the Senate works, but whatever, uh, goes, Psycho Dad's <laughs> gone. The meeting's adjourned. Is that the end for Psycho Dad? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Set the pace of all violin. Well, we never hear, hear it again, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no, we don't, but just as I was saying, people who say those lines, violence has no place in a civilized society, they're asking for it. This chairman was asking for it, and he almost got it if it wasn't for our big man, Al Bundy. Indeed. Yep. Yes, indeed. Which, I know this is a funny episode, like, we're not really supposed to put too much credence on plot structure and whatnot it's kind of like a parody of a parody but the what 
If there is a theme, if there's a message, what what do you think it is with this ending? Oh, so um, after Psycho Dad's gone, you got all the senators and their um lady friends, and Griff being sad and not even liking it. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say you find out Griff doesn't even like Psycho Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, take it easy, Griff. We might have lost Psycho, Dad, but we will win the war. It's not that. To tell the truth, I never even liked Psycho, Dad. <laughs> well, what is it, then? I really thought we were going ice fishing. I wanted to... He wanted to go ice fishing. I wanted to go ice fishing. He oh, really who hasn't? <laughs> I mean, who hasn't joined a club or been part of some something where you're you're kind of just in it for the socialization? Yeah, that's true. I yeah, mean, yeah. I get it. You're, there's always that one dude, and I like that he he stuck to it till the end, and he's just like, this is all freaking worth not worth it. <laughs> and that seems to sum up Griff. That seems to suit him because he is he does seem like a lonely character, except when he's. Uh, scoring hot dates with hot chicks, but yeah, because he comes in with um with Bob Rooney at the start of part one, and it's like you know when they say it's Psycho Dad cancelled on your TV too, so he's and he's wearing a Psycho Dad hat, I think. So yeah, this whole he time is. he's been pretending <laughs> to like it, and but I think you've nailed it just for the for the for the socialization. Yeah. I mean, we're all part of the Married with Children podcast group. I'm sure we got a couple of people who like Married with Children probably a little bit more than they would like to admit when they're part of the group page. And we love <laughs> them for it. It's all about the community. And bacons. <laughs> <laughs> and I love both. So... <laughs> But no, like, it's a weird, weird ending, and, uh, yeah, Matt, like, so what happens to this, yeah. uh, this chairman? This chairman? Oh, hang on a second, uh, he admit, okay, he gets into a little bit of a tiff or a fight with, um, Al. So, actually, no, correction, he's, he's being harassed by someone, and Al intervenes and punches, um, um, the, um, guys taking the senator's lights out. The senator, meanwhile... Almost lost his Discover card. <laughs> Let's go. We will win this thing, Peg. Common sense will prevail. I know, dear. Hey, Peg. Hey, look at that. Well, thank you, Mr. Bundy. I would have been lost without my Discover card. <laughs> Is there uh, anything I can do for you? Well, you can try to put guys like that in jail. Or cancel Blossom. Maybe that's where you got the idea to wear the hat. He'd be lost without that. Yeah. I know. So many places like, like not to take it from him. Like. <laughs> yeah. So you just got a cash advance, did you? Too bad you used an ordinary credit card because you could be carrying some very heavy interest charges. Why not carry the Discover card? Just pay your full monthly balance and a small transaction fee and we'll forget the interest, which means our money comes with no strings attached. It pays to Discover. 
And then the senator asks Al, is there anything he can do for him? And then try to put guys like him in jail or cancel Blossom. <laughs> Blossom? <laughs> Instead of asking, Blossom. you know, the obvious question there, the obvious thing would have been to ask for the psycho dad to be put back on, but nope, he's like, no, cancel Blossom. <laughs> maybe because maybe because Al realised that Psycho Dad can't come back, so he's like, may as well settle for cancelling Blossom. So for those who don't know, Blossom is an American sitcom which broadcast for five seasons on NBC between the 5th of July, 1990, and the 22nd of May, 1995. Created by John Rio, it starred Mayim Bialik. Bialk, Bialk, as Blossom Rousseau, a teenager living with her father and two elder brothers. It starred Joey Lawrence, and who recently competed against David Faustino in an installment of Drop the Mic. Thankfully, Grandmaster B, aka David Faustino, won. Yeah, that was quite recent. Uh, he kept promoting it on Facebook and Instagram, so I'm thinking he must have won, and yeah, he did. I mean, it's to watch these two guys from the 90s <laughs> battle it out, <laughs> spitting mad raps at each other. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I won't spoil it, but, yeah, that's worth checking out. I think it's on YouTube. And All it's right. just interesting. He's, he, Al tells the senator to cancel Blossom, and the show ends, what, a year later? <laughs> I <laughs> know. It's less than a year well, later. I mean, it just just for... All the listeners who are my age or younger and may not get the Blossom reference, um, it's, and I, I will admit I had to have an older friend help me with this, apparently it's the stupid hat this guy who's holding up the chairman is wearing, that's the connection. Because that's the hat that Blossom wears. Yes, Blossom <laughs> used to wear hats and they were very popular in the early 90s probably because of her. And I, uh, incidentally, there is an episode of Blossom that David Faustino is in. It's from 1991. It's just a cameo. Um, they do some sort of mockumentary type episode. But other than that, I haven't seen a lot of Blossom, but she was huge. And, yeah, she you just have to Google her and um, <laughs> you'll see her. She'll be wearing a hat. Were you rocking the Blossom hat, Annabelle? Well, I did have a very similar hat, yes. In the early 90s, we had these hats that got folded up at the front and we sort of, they sort of, you wore them down low a bit. Um, but yeah, you pull the brim down, but you put the, the, the front part up and then you could, you could stick things on the front if you wanted. But yes, that was, uh -huh. that was a phase that I went through when I was about 13. <laughs> now we know what this episode's like picture cover is going to be. Send Matt that picture, Annabelle. <laughs> oh, if I have. <laughs> but yes, I'll find a Blossom one. But, you know, these days people will know Blossom or Maya Bialik from Big Bang Theory. She's Amy Farrah Fowler from the Big Bang Theory. And I think, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. And I just think personally that the best thing the Big Bang Theory ever did was add her. They added Blossom to the Bing Bang Theory. <laughs> huh. Yeah, she's a scientist in real life. Like she went like after the Blossom, she went off and got a like a really proper full on education, and she's written books and she's a neuros whatever her character on Big yeah, Bang Theory is. Yeah, she's a PhD, is she? Yeah, she is. Yeah, she's a doctor. Um, so she's Doctor Bialik, but yeah, she's and now she's in another show I haven't seen yet, but 
Yeah, she's Blossom. way too good yeah. for that show. Good. <laughs> I'm glad they got her. Yeah, well, like way, I said, it's the best does, thing they ever did. Yeah. Does, does anyone else think it's weird that this, um, even after January 6th, I guess I should say, that this random um, thug is there in the Capitol with a knife? <laughs> yeah. He's like able to walk. Able to like literally just waltz right out on on the Capitol grounds inside the building with a knife, and he's able to get right up face to face with the chairman. <laughs> uh, see, Chris, January fifth, you and me would have been like, <laughs> Chris, isn't this funny? This guy with a knife was able to get in here. I mean, oh, I know, right? It's so amazing. Now we're yeah. just like, you know what? Why not? Chris, it's not a knife. It's just a decorative uh, object. That's not a knife. It's a spoon. It's a spoonie. But that that um, that mugger that holding him up at knife point, um, he's not credited. But it, it that must be Frank Lloyd, the the married children's resident stunt person. No, no, no. Be, he's yeah. not holding him up at knife point. He is just standing in front of him with a decorative object, Annabelle. Yes, and he wants to inspect his wallet. Yeah, when Al punches him, it doesn't even wake up the security guard. I don't know if y'all know this. <laughs> the security yes. guard no, it doesn't. Tyler, yeah. while you're watching that scene, um, when Al tells the senator to cancel Blossom, look behind Al and tell me what the hell's going on behind him. Because there's a senator standing with a lady and then he puts his hand on her waist. And... I'm often distracted by that scene, and I'm going, what is going on back there? That, um, <laughs> Annabelle, that is a political situation that we call lobbying. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that, I'm glad that got the reaction. I'm glad that got the reaction. I'm glad they got the reaction that I hoped for. Like, just like, I was going to say, like, escort, prostitution. No, 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 no. What's a better way? What's a good word? Ah, it's lobby. Yes. She has a <clears throat> political agenda and issues that she wants fulfilled. And uh, before hers are fulfilled, um, fulfillment of his needs to be happened. By uh, private means, which will be set up later. Uh-huh. In chambers. With pants off, possibly. But, yes, um, I mean, uh, that is, you. that's worldwide politics, uh, guys. I'm not going to throw America under the bus for that one. And in our continuing coverage of the mother of all parties, the Chicago blowout has now engulfed a major portion of the upper Midwest. The National Guard has begun setting back parties in hopes of containing the melee. And then that's that's pretty much the end of the episode. And, <laughs> that's it! <laughs> but like, Alan Pegg, I walk off arm in arm, but then we get this radio announcement of this long-forgotten oh, yeah. subplot that's been going on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up, Anna, because um, they basically the um Chicago party has swallowed up Milwaukee, Minneapolis, possibly even Detroit. <laughs> That's a pretty big area, by the way, geographically. Yeah. The entire well, they said East upper Coast. Mid, upper, upper Midwest. Yeah. Said upper Midwest. So that's why I said Milwaukee, Minneapolis, and possibly Detroit. Yeah. About to go down the Erie Canal and hit New York and the East Coast. 
<laughs> and Toronto, I spill over into Canada. <laughs> oh, God, yes, Canada won't stand a chance. Toronto will fall in an hour. Like... And then Montreal sucks, gets, gets fallen too. I know, hey, breaking news, Montreal now speaks just, like, whatever, oh my god, like, now just speaks, like, whatever music Kelly was playing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, it, it, that, that's a clincher, that's a perfect, perfect clincher for that episode, it, if you if you felt weird or you didn't feel like titillated by the whole thing, I think that ending, that perfect blending of A, B, and C plot, wrapped yeah. in is just it's just gold. It is, it is. Uh, so we say goodbye to this episode after well, we never see what happens to the party, but it's at, yeah, it's obviously basically taken over the upper Midwest. So on that note, we say goodbye to our favorite um, Chicago family for another week. Uh... No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Well, let's get into let's get into the ratings here. So, Tyler, how many blossom hats are you wearing for this week's episode? Well, Matt, my head is pretty tight right now with the four blossom hats I'm shoving onto it. Um, yeah, like this episode was a great second parter. And that's why it's getting four, not five. It is a second parter, pure and simple. Um, usually, two parters can stand on their own. Like, even if they are a continuation of a storyline, they can kind of stand on their own episodes. Some of the New England episodes, I would give it as an example. I can watch uh, New Eng- uh, The Bunnies Go to New England Part 2 by itself without watching one or three and just have fun with that. This one works only well as a continuation. Um, that being said, I don't think Mary with Children was meant to go more than 22 minutes. Um, I kind of liked how uh, we did this. In, in I don't know if you guys have told everybody this already. You can cut it, Matt, if you want. But uh, we did this in two parts, in two separate days. I liked this. I liked this so much better. It changed my viewpoints a little bit. Um, but that was my only thing to knock away uh, hat away. But everything else worked really well. The plots coming together, um, the uh, just the quick, fast-paced movement of this episode. It gets right where it needs to be. I am not even going to bring up January 6th or anything else because that is not fair to this episode when it was made. I'm going to look at it from that point of view and this is hilarious this is a it's how i want reality to be that this would be audacious and silly that all this crap could happen in dc 
Um, but yeah, everything. Everything about it, I loved and I had a lot of fun. These, This episode and its original first part will be continuing rewatches for me. So yes, four Blossom Hats on my head for uh, Where's My Psycho Dad? I, I'm sorry. Four Blossom Hats on my head for I Want My Psycho Dad Part 2. Thank you very much, Tyler. Great review there. Now... Annabelle, how many um, Blossom Hats are you wearing for this week's episode? Well, in addition to the one I already owned, um, I don't own any more, I hasten to add, I will add two more. So I will be wearing three Blossom Hats for I Want My Psycho Dad Part 2. And that's just half a point off from my rating of Part 1. And I think the main reason it's half a point weaker is there's just um uh, you've got a solid enough story and a and an idea but um i would have liked i i felt like i wanted something more like um if it's just a little bit more reference to this party subplot or why the, why they're so desperate to have a party i mean it's just um it's just a convenient um subplot there and we don't get any res- resolution to that but maybe we don't need any um it's just left open, <laughs> but I like the idea that it's 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 heard and not seen that about this how party and how big it is, but that's just a very minute part of what is actually a pretty um, strong idea going on here, because it's a strong enough premise. I just wanted the execution to be even stronger because Al's got these moments where he's either very silly, or he's making some very strong points, like you'll say something stupid like. God save the Queen to an American Senate. But then he'll say, you know, violence is on TV is not going to cause violence at home. And that's still an argument that's that's relevant today. Um, not for reasons not just for reasons we've discussed, but in general. I mean, Al says, you know, why don't we put the blame on where we should, you know, on their mother? A, that's a shot at Peg, and B, it's a shot. In my opinion, it could be a reference to Terry Ricolta. It could also be um, just a reference to all parents in general. I mean, parents are responsible for what children watch on television. It starts with the parents and their attitudes and everything. It stems from the parents and, and to, to a point what they watch on television. I mean, I grew up watching a lot of different television, mostly American sitcoms and British sitcoms, and I think I turned out okay. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's all of that is encapsulated here, and it and it and like Tyler said, it works as a continuation, as a part two, as an episode standalone. Yeah, probably, but you're wondering why they're in Washington to begin with. Um, what I do like is um, the fact that it is so uh, still relevant today, um, <clears throat> and also I like all the the references to presidents. And things like that. And as someone who's not particularly interested in American politics or any politics, I should say, um, per se, unless it's in a satirical television show like, say, The Thick of It, if you're British, or Veep, if you're American, they're the kind of shows I watch and like. I And also the only sh- real um, political drama that I watch is The West Wing. I love that show. But um, that 
that's just as an aside. I mean, I love all the all the references we get here. I also learn things like who Brent Musburger is, and and just things like that. And um, we get we touch on Jefferson's past, but again, we don't we don't hear enough about it. But that's sort of something that's going on throughout the show as a whole. So, like Marcy, well, we really want to know more about Jefferson's past one day. So, yeah, Al's got some good points. He's got some silly moments. I did enjoy this episode. There's a lot to like about it. Um, but, yeah, uh, not much else I can say, really. Um, it's just very, very interesting to watch in context of postal history, but then even more interesting to watch in context of recent history, um, things that happened at the beginning of this year. And it's just a sad coincidence that we are reviewing this episode in 2021. Because if we reviewed this last year, I think our conversation would have been a little bit different. I don't think that would have affected my rating at all, because I'm certainly rating it in context of an episode that took place in very late 1994. So I'm giving it a solid three. Well, thank you, Annabelle. Thank you, as always. Just want to add a few points. Um, a, in the time I've known you, you've definitely turned it okay. B, speaking of parents, I remember one of my primary school classmates, um, his mum let him watch South Park, whatever he wants, at the age of nine. And C, speaking of parents, my dear mum, after I went through a phase of Chucky the Killer Doll, South Park, Beavers and Butt and Happy Tree Friends, Mary the Children was a dear sigh of relief, my dear mother, when I was 16. <laughs> There you go. So yeah, there you go. And so, Chris, how many blossom hats are you wearing for this week's episode? Well, I like this episode. Um, I will admit I don't like it as quite as well as part one. Um, I like part one quite a bit, and I, I believe I gave that one a four. So this one will be a little bit lower than that, but I did like it. It's an exciting, uh, you know, it, it, it's an exciting episode because they go to Washington D.C. And, uh, you know, I made a comment about the set earlier being small, but in all honesty, they did a pretty good job building the set, I think. Um, I like the, uh, you know, the cracks, you know, the, the, the references to the Kennedys and, um, you know, the postal work, postal workers and the violence in D.C. You know, those are all, um, you know, references that Americans will get. And, uh, you know, it's good to see the, the full no ma'am group finally together now uh, with officer Dan as a member and all the members are finally there. Um, I guess the reason why I, I don't think it's uh, I believe I gave last week's a four. And the reason I'm giving this one a 3.5 is I don't feel like the execution was as good as it could have been. Um, and I sort of feel like it had a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, um, underwhelming ending <laughs> um like i maybe i would have liked it better if um when or after he saved the committee uh chairman there if he uh would have asked to get psycho dad back and you know maybe he would have gotten it back or you know the chairman would have had some sort of wisecrack uh you know <laughs> to back towards al or something like that i don't know it's just to me it had a, a little bit of an underwhelming ending but it is an important part to, you know, to tie up the second half of the um, I Want My Psycho Dad Part 1. So I'm going to give it, uh, and I do like it, so I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. Thank you for that, Chris. Thank you for your review. Um, now for myself. Okay, so 
I'm going to give this episode three and a half Blossom Hats out of five. So I'm going to be wearing half a hat on top of the three I've got on. I don't know how that's going to work, but there you go. Uh, I don't think it's going to be anyway, but, um, eh, well, oh, it's, for this episode. it's for this episode. I'm happy to wear them. So my rationale is, okay, so I thought part one was stronger, because when I got to Washington, I felt a bit, a bit, thought it felt a bit flat. I mean, I loved the bit in the hotel room where they were like, trying to unscramble the porn channel and when they had, had a little shooting, and obviously when Peggy and Marcy troll um, no man like bosses. But the whole center stuff, actual bit in the center for was a smidgen flat for me. Um, well, because obviously, um, some, they don't actually, well, say much there. It's not really the focus of this episode in large part. Uh, well, it is, but um, they could have done a bit more of that scene if you asked me. I'm not sure exactly how, but there you go. Uh, and what really fell a bit flat for me was, as I mentioned earlier, the whole God Save the Queen reference, because, I mean, because that means nothing to most Americans, um, considering that oh, they swept the monarchy years ago and have no, not, re no, not a strong ties to the UK as, say, um, other nations. And, I, just, I mean, I don't know whether writers are thinking of that, like, that line, and, and all, I mean, going into this episode, I think we knew Psychedelic was gone for good, because, well, otherwise it wouldn't matter us two-parter, but there you go. I do like the cultural references, and I do like how they still, you know, had a bit of a meltdown in the fracas, um, and how, um, I just, well, I've got to mention earlier in the episode, Bob Rooney believed Psychedelic was real, and that he also believed that Psychedelic was American patriotism in a nutshell. So, yeah, personally, yeah, three and a half ha Blossom Hats out of five for me. Uh, so, still good, but not as good as part one. That's just my um, two cents for this episode. Very good. Thank you for coming down to Australia and having some VBs and Forexes in our nudie bar here. So, that was it for this week, but be sure to tune in next week when we when the Marion Children podcast reviews The Naked and the Dead, but mostly The Naked, which is about checking out husbands' claim of totally innocent fun, Peggy, Marcy, and their friends accompany the husbands to the Jiggly Room. And, uh, yeah, a little bit goes down there, and meanwhile... Kelly takes part in a weight loss commercial and drinking undrinkable protein shakes. So be sure to tune in next week for the Married to Children podcast. But until then, stay sane, stay safe, peace out, and uh, have a have a girl to girl or two. <laughs>